That kid's nickname must be Ryan Reynolds uh, because he's a Deadpool hitter. Ooh, Deadpool. Man, I, I just makes me want to marvel at the pun that you just pulled off there, bud. Look at you. Look at no? you. I like marvel? what you did there. Super quick. Who's quicker, Tommy Gold? Coach Ballgame or Coach Chop? Superman. I'm pleading the fifth on that one, personally. Oh, yeah. plead the fifth. By the way, that's Tommy Gold. Everybody give him a, give him a round of applause. Uh, he's done with school, and he's going to crank up the Talk and Shop uh, social media uh, page. You know, we're going to start with MySpace, and, uh, and then we're going to go, you know, we're going to create an Atari game uh, based on what we do. Yeah. And I see good things happening. I, I see me and you, Chad Chop. Uh, showing up at like an all-star game, you know, and, and doing some live interviews. I mean, and, uh, I think that's where we should be. Oh, right. Yeah. The, uh, the, I, I know, I know I'll get in that stadium this year. I can get in there. I know enough people in the right places to get in there. You'll be there. Tommy, so I think Tommy Gold said the AOL, AOL chat will be bumping. Oh, snap. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Let's get it going, man. Well, Hey, good to see you. Our weekly, uh, how do you do on a Tuesday? Um, I, I, I was inspired this morning running. I, I just wanted to get, come out of the gates with, with a great story. Um, and, uh, and it's inspired by a, a two-time guest on the podcast, Nick Hundley. Mm. Um, but before I, I get to that, that's a bit of a tease on, uh, on going to church. Uh, I want to take us to church. Uh, how you doing? Just catch us up. Uh, what's, what's cooking, Chad? Great. Uh, been getting up nice and early about uh anywhere between 557 and six ish and uh it's a pretty tight window and heading over to the ball yard here and uh you know it's hot so we're getting over there early with uh with my oldest and my middle son came with us today too and we're just getting a little baseball and i sent you a picture this morning it's beautiful and uh it's beautiful looks yeah. so pretty there uh 557 to six i'm 519 and you know why 519 wake up call from a little bird just outside my bedroom window. Light sleeper. Not at 516, not 517. On the dot, 519. That bird knows when to start singing. And it's going to sing till about 535. I love that. That's, so that's your snooze funny. window. You got you yeah. got 16 minutes. Well, I mean, it's it's like Jim Nance sent that that little bird right to my window and just say, it's time to wake up. It's time. So so were you always a light sleeper or are you like me? Like I was a heavy, hard sleeper, and then I had kids. And then the, the hard sleep went away. And now it's like, uh, you know, I just to your point, if a dog, if a bird, if a plane, uh, I'm awake and I'm good to go. Light. You know what? Yeah, I think with age, I get a little bit lighter. Yeah, I, I go out quick. Uh, Tara Jean is amazed at how I can just bang, be out like a light. Um, middle Movie of the theater. night, not so much. Yeah, middle of the night, not so much. I'm pretty, I'm pretty out. But you get into the four or five o'clock range and um, bang, I'm ready to go. I love that. And you got to throw that in there. The middle of the night, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty out because I don't know about you, but for me as dads, there's going to be a visit from a little one from time to time. And the veteran move is you, you assess it real quick. Cause we're awake also, let's be honest. We hear it too, but you assess it. And it's like, I talked about with Titus a few weeks ago, like, Hey mom, I don't feel good. You hear the throw up. Okay. That's still, that's where that's right in the fringe, but I think she can handle it. Okay, mom. I just barfed out of my butt. Okay. That's my call. That's, I got to get up. This is a two V one. You know what I mean? But I like that you threw that in there. Like no, I'm pretty heavy in the middle of the night. Yeah. So am I wink, wink. I, I yeah. don't hear anything middle of the night. Wink, 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 wink. Don't hear anything, mom. Sorry about oh, it. Sorry. Oh man. Well, speaking of dad, 
Um, I got a call from mom uh, yesterday and you know, when, when, when we get to be this age and you get a call from your parents, <clears throat> you, you just, you just hope everybody's alive. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's good. It's just the way it goes. If you're lucky enough to, to have parents for this long and she was crying a bit and I'm like, Oh no. Uh, but it was tears of, of good, good news and joy. And it made me think of our pal, Nick Hunley, who talked about church and I posted it on my social media about the, the best, <clears throat> excuse me, the best uh, church you ever went to, uh, the preacher gets up and says, you know what, I'm not going to have a, a sermon here. I want to ask anybody who's having any issues. Anybody having problems? Anybody's refrigerator not working? Anybody's car not working? So your car is not working. All right, uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie's car is not working. Anybody know how to fix a car? And somebody raised their hand. Can you two get together, exchange numbers and make that happen? And for an hour, the people just helped each other. Well, uh, church happened yesterday and the good kind of church. And, and you know, their, their church is flawed because it's people. It, it's, it's full of people. Uh, but there's, there's a good kind of church deep down in there if you, if you get to the root of it all. And, um, and here it goes. My dad is a recovered addict. <clears throat> I was six. He's in the backyard polishing off a case of beer. An angel strolls up literal image and tells dad if he quits the abuse today the addiction in his bloodline will stop with him dad walks in the house doesn't say a word and mom says doug you just got saved she saw a light on his face she'd never seen he cut drugs and alcohol cold turkey that day uh, i haven't had a sip in nine years since uh, may 12th of this year a guy came to fix mom and dad's air conditioner yesterday. He was noticeably strung out. Dad gave his testimony to that young man yesterday, and the man got chills. Church. I love it. Bang. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. You get down, you get right down to it. Uh, you know, love your neighbor, love your God. And that's, and that's what that is. Your dad sharing a story, impacting another soul and uh, not judging him, right, which is the first instinct of 99.999999 infinite number amount of church members. Like, oh, look at this guy. Oh, 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 I feel better about myself and my walk because of this guy. No, no, no. Like, come down beside him like Jesus did and love him and be compassionate and be kind and share a story and share a life experience. Hey, I was been, I've been down the same path, but this isn't the end. You can, you can work through it. There's another way. And that's awesome. I love it. The, the levels of, of that story and dad is um, dad has told that story to many of my friends that have come to visit Ashburn, North Carolina. Um, and it's inspiring. It inspires so many. And for, for mom to, to know that that happened, like Doug, something's different. You've had this darkness over you yeah. your whole life. It seems like since I've known you and there's this different shade of light on your face um, well, I mean, that, that speaks to the prayer warrior, uh, mom is and how close she is to God. Um, but when, when we had Avery Jean, our, our oldest daughter, I said, it's time to do my part. And I didn't have, uh, uh you know, knock on wood. Thankfully, I didn't have an issue with it as far as abuse goes. Uh, but I knew I needed to do my part. I needed to go two for four with a walk. And, you know, try and get on base for the next guy. So I've done that and proud of it. May 12, nine years, not a sip um, and, and just a lot of milk. 
and it, it's really helped me. I, I feel like once I hit 30 anyway, it, it was it was giving me stomach aches and making me tired. And I kind of think we're all somewhat allergic to alcohol anyway, but um, that's part of my identity. Yeah, no doubt about it. Part of my identity for sure. And I tell that story to a lot of people um, and, and it gives them all chills, no doubt about yeah. it. And for dad to be able to pay it forward, it, it, it's kind of his purpose. He feels like it's his mission. When, when he sees somebody that was exactly where he was, uh, he'll just tell a story. And everyone can relate everyone. And, and he's not pushing, like you say, he's not pushing anybody away or, 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 you know, throwing um, uh, his religion down their throat. He's just telling a story. He's just telling his story and, and trying to love and be relatable. And man, that's the good kind of church. That's, that's the real stuff. So that's the impactful church. That's the one no one realizes. They think that, you know, reading the Bible and there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible and uh, knowing your stuff and, doing the right thing. There's nothing wrong with doing the right thing. That's encouraged as well. But when you start doing all that stuff at such a level that you're not willing to get your feet dirty and come along someone and admit to your own fault and guilt and past, uh, you know, you're not going to impact anybody. But what your dad does is tell him, Hey, I'm the same. I'm the same as you. And that's impactful. And I love that. It's awesome. It's good. So uh, I, I, I pray for that young man and uh, I think something good will come uh from it no doubt about it um i, th I think we just got to give that kid an attaboy one two three attaboy attaboy. and uh you know uh, attaboy to dad mm. um i'll be seeing mom and dad i'll be headed to north carolina very soon and uh hang out for father's day as i always do with mom and dad and then do some north carolina camps uh, i'll do some sand lots as well all over Asheville and charlotte and high point and all those good areas I'm going back to my hometown of Franklinville, North Carolina. Um, boy, do I love running a sandlot, you know, in my backyard. And my brothers come out and help coach. And uh, basically everybody that I grew up with comes out and brings their kids. And we uh, we do a good thing. It's fun. Um, but uh, before we get into a great topic, which you brought up today of coaching core values and just some core values that coaches can kind of live by speaking of the word the good word this is this is a a good bible for for coaches um hey uh the coach ballgame sandlot franchise has begun uh with two ladies in bear river city utah bear river city utah the utah sandlot uh i've met both ladies um uh they they heard about me when i went to salt lake city to do a sandlot and they said you know what We've both played our entire lives. We've coached our kids our entire lives. We see a problem. We, we have a bit of a chip on our shoulder with how youth sports goes. And they're both deep into uh, the thralls of the Talk and Shop podcast. They love listening to it. It's kind of like food for them. And they, they're ready to make an impact. So in July, they're going to do uh, three weeks of a Utah Sandlot. They've already got more signups than I had in my first Sandlot back in 2017. And, um, and we're going to start cranking them out. We'll dial it in to make sure everything's bulletproof as far as trademarks and things of that nature. Cause if you're going to franchise, it's government, uh, government regulated. Um, so, Hey, we're, that's kind of the next project for me. Find the best coaches out there and, Love and, it. and just meet them, have zooms with them. Uh, before you can start being a coach ball game, sandlot coach, I got to meet you and you got to see it in person. 
because you can see stuff on social media, but you feel something when you're there, when, when you're, when you're around that kind of energy. Um, and I've got a few people that, that these girls, coach Texie and coach Jamie, uh, have inspired and I've gotten more people reach out. Hey, what do I got to do? What do I got to do here? How do I sign up? So that I'm just so excited about that project, right? Cause now awesome. I go to 25 different cities this year and there could be 25 different coach Texies and coach Jamie's there ready to carry the, the torch baby. Yeah. And one thing that, I, that word of advice I'd give to coaches that want to start uh, a coach ball game, Sandlot or camp is be super mindful of your coaches that you bring on board because, and you know, this, you, you're only one coach. And so when you're not there, you know, if it's the high school kids you're bringing on, which usually it is, which is great, but you got to make sure you bring the best of the best because you're only as strong as your weakest link as far as the camp's concerned. And it's one wrong move with kids, little kids with bats and, you know, a high school kid on his phone instead of being engaged. And then all of a sudden it goes from joy to, to harm real quick. And so, uh, and then an experience is affected. A parent's got is soured and you've seen this and I've seen this in my camps because of, you know, like I say, your weakest link. So, when you're doing this, you have this passion for it. That's awesome. You got to find others with a similar passion so that you can have a strong, strong experience for all campers. 100%. I prioritize um, how they engage kids and, and how patient they are and how kind they are and how, um, how empowering they are uh, to these kids and how they build them up. I prioritize that way more than the skills of the, yeah, the game. No doubt. Um, yeah. Now, if you got both, you're a coach Texie, you're a coach Jamie, and you're ready to go. Um, uh, Cause they played four years of college ball. They've been there, they've done that. And they, like I said, have that chip on their shoulder. Like there needs to be an alternative to this. It does not have to always be negative and yelly. Um, had another coach in Illinois who, who's just asking the best of questions. Uh, like, uh, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to impose on little league or, or create a competition with little league. And I said, here's what you're going to find out when you create a sandlot, you're going to um, add value to that local little league because you're going to get those kids that have never tried. You're going to get those kids that are too afraid to try out for little league because they see the helmet and the bat and the pitches going fast and the game just moves super quickly and there's a lot of yelling. Um, so you're going to bring in a hundred kids that wouldn't play little league then you build them up and empower them with confidence. And then they do go try out for that little league. Plus these little leagues, they need that alternative. They kind of need that minor leagues or they need that, um, uh, you know, that feeder uh, in, into that and travel ball. So uh, that's, that's one aspect of it too. It's very different from little league or travel ball because there's no scoreboard. There's no umpires. We don't have uniforms. Uh, it's a birthday party on a baseball field where we're giving out uh, medals for kindness. So it's uh, uh, no pun intended, a, a different ball game altogether. Yes. So um, the, the best part about, about Sandlot for me is getting that 13 year old elite player um, that, that plays five days a week for their travel ball team. And, um, and they come up to me at, at, during a sandlot and say, wow, this is fun. Yeah. As if they're surprised, you know, that's a real slap <laughs> in the face for me. Every single time I hear 
uh, a, a high caliber player say that. So um, it's just so fun to, and exciting to, to go on this journey and partner up with MLB, which was solidified uh, last week. Me and, the, me and the girls went out for sushi to celebrate, uh, but I'll be coaching with, with MLB and doing some play ball stuff. Uh, and, and maybe creating some content for them and the MLB network as well. So um, going to be a lot. And like you said, you need great coaches. And I've got some great uh, assistant coaches helping me all summer long for summer camps. And then if I got to jump over to Detroit or New York City with MLB, I've got some some grown men with beards uh, who uh, can take my spot for a day or two. Uh, and and that's kind of how it's got to be. I got to loosen up the grip on on my orange county circle uh to do some some greater good and i thrive on it man i i, yeah. I just i need i need to be encouraging others hey why don't you try coaching with with this with this lens of building character and having fun and um bang excited i thought about, about yeah it. i thought about trying to help a coach's lens uh over the weekend saturday uh, playoffs for under the lights football. So flag football, little kids, this is Bo and, you know, seven and eight year olds. And uh, Bo's team is good. It's, it's too good for the league, honestly. Um, so that, that creates frustration for other coaches, right? Uh, because you have this team that is, it's a club team that's playing in essentially little league football, uh, flag football. So they boat race everyone. It's not even close. So the opposing coach, his kid did something. I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe he didn't do something. Maybe he covered the wrong guy, whatever. I mean, he undressed him verbally. Like, what are you doing that? I get off the field. And this poor kid, I watched this kid like fighting back tears, but they're still coming out like instantly. And I'm just like, this is devastating, you know, as a coach, like, what are we doing? Like, wh who cares? First of all, you have no shot of winning this game, period. End of story. If I'm coaching against our team, it's, Hey man, I'm going to find a positive. You know, I'm going to find something to encourage my kids because we don't have a chance. That's just the way it is. Right. Secondly, you're, you're just destroying kids for what, for what, for a seven-year-old, uh, little league football, freaking $4 medal. It's weird, dude. So like I'm watching this and it broke my heart, like literally broke my heart, put tears in my eyes instantly as little Cole, that was his name. Cause the coach was screaming it. Cole, get off the field, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, dude, this is devastating. Yeah, bad. Maybe think well, let's about unpack it. it. Let's unpack it because uh, it's going to happen 50 times today all across this country, that's for sure, uh, where you just get a coach undressing. And here's what I notice. When a kid makes a mistake, um, there's two to three different reactions, depending on the personality. One type is that natural competitor that player that loves the game that immediately starts crying even when when you uh, don't, don't say, say a thing yep they just boom they shut down because they feel like they've let down the team they've let down their parents they've let down the coach uh and they just start crying you get the other one um who just kind of looks indifferent on the matter and that 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 ball player either they they don't know they messed up or they're just cool with that mistake, but uh, there, there's really no, um, they don't feel like there's a consequence coming their way and they're, they're not beating themselves up. And then I think the, the third one is 
maybe the one that that kind of wrestles with it. You can see them being cerebral about it and kind of going through it step by step. Kind of why did I make that mistake? And then you know that they're, they're the ones who are kind of waiting for a coach to speak and, and help them out. So I think that covers like all the personalities you'll see making a mistake. It seems like that kid, he was gushing out tears before the coach even undressed him and just kind of really knew he was, he, he, he had messed up and he, he ruined the day for all of his team. Um, I don't care what kind of kid you have, what personality that coach did that because that coach felt like a failure. That coach felt like he was failing, right? Felt like he was failing all the parents and all the kids on his team because he was losing the game. He knew he was going to lose the game to that better team. And the only way somebody volunteering their time to coach kids will react like that is if they're feeling like a failure, like they messed up. And um, I know that because I used to do that. (laughs) And what I say, what, what can I say to that coach? uh, that, that maybe he'll listen, he'll, he'll listen to is I've been there. Here's, here, here's the Doug Lowe. Here's my dad talking yeah. to, to the, to the guy. I've done that. I've done exactly what you did. And, and, and your heart's in the right place because you want that kid to get better and you want them to not make mistakes. Um, but that child, they lost a little bit of love for baseball today because of you. And you have to continue to look through the lens of if I'm, am I making this kid want to come back tomorrow with every sound out of my mouth, make him want to come back tomorrow. Um, now I kind of want to react by yelling to that coach and yelling at that coach and being like, what are you doing? Be quiet. But I know then I'm just doing what he's doing to that kid. <laughs> so I have to take a deep breath, calm down, say, nope, that coach isn't going to hear that if I'm yelling at him. Uh, he's just going to turn me off. And then that's how we can make a difference. I'm interested, uh, were you able to confront that coach? Were you able to put your arm around him, talk to him a little bit? Or, or did, did that connection not happen? No. Um, and it's weird, too, because football is not baseball. So it's like a different like, I don't know if I've ever been around a football game where there's not yelling. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different, it's a different arena in that sense of just like, that's almost the culture of screaming at refs and screaming at kids and stuff like that. So it's different, but I would love to have, I didn't, but if I had a chance to talk to him similar to what you would do, I'd, I'd ask him what his goal is. Okay. What's, what's your goal today? What's your goal? Trying to win the game. Or you're trying to win the minds and hearts of these kids and try to impact them in a positive way. If it's to win, Okay, then that if it's to win, then you did it right. Scream at him, get him off the field, get someone else in there that'll do what you want them to do. Um, but if it's to win their hearts, then you failed. You lost. You lost on the scoreboard, and more important, you lost where it really matters. So it's just about to use your word, the lens. Like as a coach, show up with the right priorities. And that's why it's cool that we're going to get into core values today, because it's going to give this kind of this roadmap for coaches of like almost like an outline of like, okay, here's my goals. Here's my core values. This is what matters most to me. And if, and if you come in every single day with this mindset of knowing, knowing truly what you're about and what matters to you, then you're going to be fine. Whatever comes your way, it won't matter. 
Um, but that coach, I mean, I'm, I've been the same as you. I've been the same as him. I have, I've, I've ripped kids off the field during defense. I've literally called timeout and taken a center fielder off the field during defense, which is embarrassing. Like I'm embarrassed. I did that. Right. I was 10 years younger and I had a high school kid playing center that didn't back up a throw. So I called time and took him off. The field. That's embarrassing. Shame on me. Right. So, but we've learned from it. And uh, we're going to get to that uh, word accountability um, next, but I want to go through this coaching core values list. Great list that you made earlier today, uh, Mr. Chopper and coaches, parents pull out a notebook, get a pen uh, because this is going to help you with that lens. We're talking about coaching core values. Number one, empathy. And I can look right at that scenario of that coach yelling, yelling at that kid um, and, and saying, okay, was there any empathy there? Was yeah. there, was there a, enough maturity for that coach to remember the time they made a mistake and to remember that coach that probably yelled at them and undressed them and, uh, and now look, look how that worked itself out. Now you're spewing hatred and negativity towards other kids. And I know it's not malicious, but I think that word empathy can be huge. Like put yourself in that kid's shoes. Uh, I understand some kids make mistakes because of a lack of effort or maybe even disrespect. And that's kind of my pet peeve. Uh, I don't love that word, but that, that gets me. When a kid's disrespectful to their parents or they're disrespectful to other people and that causes them to perform worse, mm, that's when I have to take deep breaths and calm down before I start being passive aggressive. Um, but yeah, walk me through that, that first coaching core value for you, coach, empathy. Empathy. So kid makes a mistake. He feels worse than you do as a coach. You, you, you know what I mean? You see it like, oh, I know he was prepared. Or I know he knew what to do and he didn't do it. Well, he has that same feeling and it's way more intense than what you feel, right? So how would you want to be treated? And that's where you look through it is like, oh man, this is, this is hard for him right now, right? So you address it. For me, it's like in between innings and I'll come over and I'll just put my arm around him, you know, and I'll tell him I love him and I'll tell him it's okay. And I'll tell him, I can't wait to see how you respond. Like you're so mentally tough. You're so strong, you know, and just encourage him and you talk about the things they can learn from it later. You know, you don't bring it up in that moment. They already know, you know, nine times out of 10, they already know. Um, sometimes I'll ask them just little things. Like, hey, how, how was your heart rate? You know, hey, what was your thought? What was your thought process? Walk me through it. Just to, just to get them to, hey, I thought this, I thought that. Okay, all right. And then later on, we'll talk about where to learn from it. I brought up on this podcast a while back where we had a five run lead bases loaded one out and the second baseman rushed to play because he was trying to turn two instead of just get the out and allow the run to score. Right. So like there's moments where it's like, great, this is going to be an awesome teachable moment. I oftentimes tell him, Hey, I've made the same mistake before. Right. Like, Hey, I have done that, done that a million times, done that so many times. Sometimes I'll go out on the field, call timeout. I did this this year with our, one of our best pitchers and I called timeout and went out, gave up the lead but there's still a man on third, right? So I'll come out there. Hey, super important right now. I need you to get back in the moment. That run on third matters. So I know we just gave up the lead, but if we can hold him right here, we're going to come back and win this game. So I need you to dial in, take a deep breath. There's nobody better than you, but this moment matters, right? So that, that's what I do. 
a good coach, I think, will will treat everybody the same and treat everybody fair and coach everybody uh, uh, fairly. I think a great coach will have enough empathy to learn how each kid ticks, get to know each player, and realize nine different people, nine different reactions to X, right? Yeah. Yes. And being able to meet them on their playing field, uh, I, I think if that kid gets, if if that coach gets to know that kid and realizes they're going to shut down and cry when they make a mistake, and they're really going to shut down and just flip out if you yell at them, if he if he would have the empathy or he he would have the intuition, wait, I know this kid, I know how he reacts to to certain stimuli. Um, no, can't go that route. I don't think you can go that route with anybody. I don't, uh, it's just not productive. Um, but having that empathy to get to know each kid and their personality and what's going to make them the most productive person, that's a great coach, right? Good coach changes the game. Great coach changes the life. So that's what we're trying to build here is great coaches. Number two, accountability. And you hit on it. Um, I, I, I think of... Uh, I think of Dave Roberts when I asked him, Hey man, do you ever, he ever had to uh, apologize? Right. And because that's a big one for me early on when I was immature and I was an, uh, a young coach, I didn't hold myself accountable. I, um, I didn't apologize when I made mistakes. I, I kind of wrestled with, I had this wrestle within me of I'm, I'm the leader. I'm the commander. Uh, they, they need to, uh, get in line with me. Um, but that was an immature approach, holding yourself accountable and just saying, kid, I flew off the handle. I'm not a perfect person. Um, I got to do better. Boy, he's going to remember that. That kid's going to go to battle for you. Um, because now you're not just a drill sergeant. You're somebody that that they know you care about them and and you you're you're going to do anything for them um and when that when a kid knows that you, you got something good yeah we had our banquet uh for the high school team on saturday night and it was awesome to just celebrate these kids and um talked about the, how the season didn't end the way we wanted it to but like man every other goal we we set we accomplished we got better every day we had fun we learned, we won the 3A South Region Championship for the first time in school history. And, you know, and then baseball's baseball and we weren't able to, to get the state title, but like, man, what a special year. So accountability. There was a kid on our team, Trey Lustenberger, who a uh, lightning fast soccer player, not really a baseball player. He'd tell you that. And uh, senior year, so he wanted to come out and he knew it was gonna be fun and it's good culture, good vibe. So he was out there, but he was kind of out there when he wanted to be out there, right? So he told me, uh, a couple weeks into the season, the actual season, hey, coach, I'm going to be gone for a week. I'm going snowboarding. Okay, cool. No worries. Great. Have fun. So he did this. And like, in my mind, like being this old school baseball guy, it's like, great. Yeah, go on vacation during the season. Perfect. Like you're not stepping on the field, period, for the whole season. I promise. You know, like I didn't tell him that. But in my mind, I'm like, dark box it. This kid's out. Right? <laughs> didn't mean I didn't love him. Didn't mean I wasn't happy to see him because I was, but he was not stepping on the field come hell or high water promise. Right. So fast forward, we're in a blowout game. We had a few of them this year. We're up 20 to nine or something. And uh, 
everyone else on the whole field is batted already. So our dugout, cause I didn't tell anyone else this. I just internalized it. They're like shoving Trey on deck. Right. So now Trey's on deck getting ready to come in the game and I'm coaching third on the other side of the field. I'm like, no, no, you know, so didn't let him bat. Right. So the game ends actually that inning ends. And I go over to him and go, Hey, do you understand why you're not that kind of like, this is what I told the, the families of this banquet, a hundred people in our whole program, all the families, the siblings. I said, he saw my intensity. Like he got a glimpse of my intensity in that moment. I was like, dude, understand something. You're never stepping on this field because you chose to go snowboarding during the season. And that's fine, but you'll never play for me. Do you understand? He's like, yes, coach. All right. Yes, coach. Super calm, super mature. Game ends, go out there. I could feel the vibe of the team was a little bit off because I'm being a jerk. You know, it's about me. So I told everyone, I said, hey, I told Trey, I want to make sure everyone understands why he didn't bat today and why he's not going to play this year, right? And when I said it out loud, like it hit my heart instantly. And I said it, I go, let me, pre- let me say this. He, as of right now, he's not going to play. Like that's the old school in me. And I still feel that way. And I hope it changes and I'll pray for it. But right now I can tell you he's not going to play and this is why. And everyone's like, okay. And then we actually went on a retreat. Fast forward to the banquet. Now you guys have the, the frame of reference for this. So I told, uh, spoiler alert, I did let him bat later in the year. Um, and he spoiler. drew a walk. Yeah, spoiler alert. But for, for as, as far as accountability is concerned, I told all the families, everyone, I was speaking at this banquet because I talked about every kid and I talked about Trey. And he wasn't even there. But I felt like I had to say this, right? I said, thing about Trey, I love about Trey, great hair, great smile, super fast, exceptional athlete. But one of my darkest moments this year where he got a glimpse of like my intensity, like really unwarranted intensity. Um, he gave me grace and he had patience and he had a maturity beyond his years. Uh, and he just allowed me to really fail in that space as a coach and as a mentor and as a parent. And, you know, in every way I failed completely. Uh, but he loved me through it, dude. He smiled and yes, coached me and like unbelievable. But like you take that ownership as a coach, I screwed up. I made a mistake, you know, Um, and that's really powerful. That's the first point of accountability. And I know this is a long-winded answer. The other part, when we talk about accountability as a coach is building in some accountability with your team, right? And it doesn't have to be this insane show of like, oh, we made an error. Everybody at home play. We're going to go run for an hour. No, no, no. Like just something, just something. So what we've decided this year with our leadership, with our kids that are coming back is it's one push-up. We make a mistake. It's a push-up. Everyone on the field, including the coaches, will do a push-up. You, and that means anything. You miss a ground ball, just a quick push-up. Just a friendly reminder that, hey, our work matters. And we're working towards something, and we're working towards greatness. And we don't get mad, we don't get emotional, but we do, we hold ourselves accountable. Uh, so that's that two points of accountability. I know that was a long answer, but I think it was important to share. Very much so, man. Well, thanks for sharing. Uh, I would be ashamed um to 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 open that up to anybody's ears as well and and you were you were mature and strong enough to do that the fact that the kid gave you grace man how about that where the students teaching the the teacher the student uh teaches me all the time man and that there there's old school aspects in all of us that's why we started coaching you know and that's uh, that's why we're here um, but wow, uh, to, to be able to hold yourself accountable, that that's how we can change. That's how we can change the culture, right? When Chad chop 
who uh, has a podcast about not doing that stuff, does that stuff, you know how hard it can be. It's a difficult yeah. job and it's going to happen. Nobody's perfect. We're all flawed. Um, and I can, I can think of probably 50 different me stories like that, where it's like, it's coming out of my mouth and I know I'm saying the wrong thing. And yet I continue to say it. <laughs> oh my gosh, what am I doing here? So yeah. um, to all you coaches out there, man, we're there with you. We get it. Um, but when there's a win at all cost mentality, toxicity just flourishes, man. Umpires quitting because they get yelled at too much or punched. Um, coaches yelling at coaches, parents yelling at players, um, players yelling at other players. Just toxic, just toxic, just a big dumpster fire. So uh, number one, empathy. Number two, accountability. Hold yourself accountable. And then, uh, yeah, I love how you created that within the group. Like uh, we, we win together, we lose together, we do everything together. We go on retreats together. Um, I, I really love what Sean Dunstan said about his favorite coach. Uh, the coach wanted his losses. He'd say, we lost today. Uh, but but when, when Sean did something great, you were great today, right? And that's that idea of just um, really praising loudly. Uh, when something good happens three out of 10 times in the game of baseball or softball and, uh, and then quietly uh, giving constructive criticism um, when everybody's able to decompress. That's the key when something bad, uh, bad happens. Number three, energy. I'll start here because it, this is the word I use so much with all my assistant coaches. Like um, I, I, I bring coaches on that are 13, 14, 15, 16 that have aged out of my camps. And I say, Hey, um, you don't have the job. You're auditioning for the job. All right. And here's the deal. Do you have energy? Um, and, and if it's positive energy, Ooh, extra credit, but I got to have energy because the kids watch what you do. They don't hear what you say. If they see you running to go set up cones and you've got energy in your feet, and you've got energy in your face with your smile, they're going to smile and they're going to hustle from place to place. Right. And I know it's a personality thing and I've had tons of coaches and some of them just have the type of personality where they move slowly. Uh, and I have to let them know this ain't the job for you, pal. Uh, it's, it's, uh, kind of apples and oranges, how I approach kids that are six and how I approach kids that are 15. You ain't a kid anymore, right? I do have to, uh, I do have to let you know, hey, uh, we got to bring the energy here or um, we're, we're going to find somebody else because there's a lot of kids out there that want this job. Um, and yeah, that, that, so that's number one uh, for me. And I tell it to all the coaches, bring the energy because that's what the kids notice. Yeah, we, and I, I told our kids multiple times this year at the high school level, like, hey, it's intentional who we bring around you as far as coaches. Like, this is intentional. Like, these are type A, high energy, attention to detail, like, give a care individuals. It matters. It matters to them, you know? So as a coach, give that energy, that energy of like, hey, this matters. This matters to me. I'm here. I'm present. This is fun. This is where I want to be. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. And that was a kind of our mantra all year long. Hey, where else would you rather be? 
you know, and the kids are like, nowhere. It's like, this is where we want to be, you know, and that's what you got to bring as a coach. Yeah. And this is one area where I can, I can proudly say, fake it till you make it if need be. Uh, kids sniff out the disingenuous really quick. Uh, we want it to be a genuine energy. Um, but there are moments when you, you might feel bad. Maybe you stayed up late. You, uh, you didn't, you had the wrong bowl of frosted flakes in the morning and you got to fake it till you make it. You better, you better do that. And, uh, and then what'll happen is you, you'll start to pump yourself up. It's like going for a run. You feel awful. Then you go start jogging, you get up that hill. It's like, mm, I got that second wind. And you get going, boy, do I love that word energy, man. Energy. I know you do. I, I, when I thought of that, when I was like, oh, this is coach ballgame. That's is all energy. about it. Energy. Salute. And be on time and be on yeah. time. Like be prompt. Like, you know, how early you get there for a camp way, 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 way hours before campers are showing up. That's intentional. That's yeah. so you can get that energy. If the frosted flakes weren't right that morning or the coffee wasn't, you know, caffeinated enough. It's like, okay, all right. You take inventory. How do I feel today? How's my energy? I got to step it up. Do I have to fake it or is it real? You know, it doesn't matter. It's got to be there. And there are some assistant coaches, you know, for you head coaches out there, it's going to be a slow burn. They're not going to match your energy day one. Uh, they're not going to match your energy day 10. Uh, then you're going to get passive aggressive and you're going to undress them in front of everybody else, uh, which I've done before and I'm ashamed of it. Uh, and then you're going to have to apologize. <laughs> and, and you're really just going to have to trust that them watching you get there three hours early and mow the grass and put the foul lines out and do everything you, you do with the most energy possible after 10 years of watching you do that, they'll do it. Right. And, and just, just trust that number four preparedness. I'll let you crank this one up. Uh, I, I obviously love preparation. Um, I think it's, it's kind of the magic uh, behind the curtain. You know, if you've, if you've got a great show, uh, like a, a great podcast or, or, or uh, something like that. There's hours and hours and hours of preparation that goes into that. If you had a great audition for a movie, hours and hours of preparation that went into that. Uh, you, you hit a bomb uh, in a high leverage moment, years and years of preparation for that. So uh, what do you think about being prepared? Be there early, uh, have a practice plan. So like for me, that practice plan is sent out beforehand. A lot of time I'll even send it to the players so they know what we're doing too. Like I'll have different text threads and I'll send us just a little screenshot with our phones nowadays. It's great. And they know. So everyone's got a roadmap of what we're doing today and why we're doing it and what our goal is. And so oftentimes there's a motivational quote on there. Um, but yeah, get there early, have everything set up before the kids get there. I mean, there's something powerful about that. Like, dude, does coach live here? You know, uh, and it's fun with me because I'm out there early, like I say, with my boys. So I'm out there watering the dirt and stuff. And like kids are getting to school and they're like, dude, what the, does coach just live here at 630 in the morning? What, what is this guy doing? This guy's weird, you know, in a good way. This guy's a good weird, you know. So be there early. Have a practice plan. Be dialed in. Don't waste time at practice. Stop with the whole one kid's hitting, 12 kids are watching. It's not government work, you know. Have stations. Be dialed in, be intentional. After a game, they're giving you the practice plan. Okay, we got to work on base right. Okay, we got to work on advancing the third from second on a ground ball behind them. Just be intentional, care. You know, that's what preparedness is to me. Same. Uh, I mean, I love it. I love just uh, 
cranking up a podcast and setting up a field uh, for a hundred kids where there's six different diamonds. And, you know, I've got to get uh, throwing and catching uh, drills set up with cones and balls. I've got to get all the different diamonds set up. I got to drag the field. I love doing it all by myself. And, and there will occasionally be a coach or two that come an hour early and say, Hey, can I get on the clock? I want to drag. And I'm like, yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Love, love that. But yeah, I want to get everything done uh, before the first kid shows up. So then I can, uh, I can just connect. I can connect with people um, and, and have everything dialed in as far as uh, the X's and O's go. And that's a little something that worries me as I go uh, across the country and do MLB stuff is those mornings where I've got to trust that one of my assistant coaches is going to get there and, and set it up the same way. And, uh, you know, you gotta, you got at a certain point, these guys have been around me half their lives. They know what I'm about. And, uh, I, I, it's my job to trust them. Um, and then maybe fly out Chad shop to make sure that they're doing that. You know, it'll get done right then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So get ready for, uh, for a last minute flight, uh, Phoenix to John Wayne. That's an easy one. I'm in. Uh, num- number five and six uh, are are they're they they're they're twins. Fun and joy. Um, the the fun it, it's the it's the it's the lens that I talk about all day long. Of uh, it's make it so fun that the kids have to come back tomorrow, especially the ones that hate baseball, right? That that dislike uh, social activity. That don't that that are very shy especially those, uh, the, the, the ones that, that, uh, get there early, stay late and you have to beg to come in for dinner. Um, just, rem- just keep reminding them that baseball is fun and it's not work. Uh, remind them that, that swimming and playing basketball and soccer and other sports and ping pong and, and, uh, and reading books is also cool. Uh, cause you got them. Uh, you just want to remind them that it's fun, but, uh, to kind of entice, the ones that don't want to be there that it's fun, give them nicknames, find out what they love, uh, ask them questions, tell stories, sing songs, come up with poetry, uh, try to hit every different possible, uh, you know, uh, personality type you can with, with whatever you got engage. Um, and, and then, yeah, be the most fun version of yourself. Don't, don't be a, uh, a Jim Carrey impersonator, uh, be you. And, and be fun you, be, be the you when you're playing Balderdash with your uh, wife and, and friends, you know, <laughs> really yeah. bring that out. And if you're prepared, if you've gotten there three hours early and set up the field, then yeah, you, you have earned the right to be very fun. Also, if you dial in all those kids with a great team meeting pose and let them know that paying attention when I speak is going to get you an award and not being disruptive, being nice and quiet, and not playing in the dirt. Those kind of things are going to earn you a baseball card or an award. If you lay that out, then you've earned the right to be super, super fun. No doubt. And listen to your guys. Listen to your players. Like That was a cool feedback we got from you uh, when we first met you. Uh, my wife and I were talking to you, and you're like, I've talked to my kids, and they like playing games. So we play a lot of games. And that's because that's where they have the most fun. So, yeah could do drills all day like a lot of other camps do but like the kids have spoken and we're here for the kids not here for me and that's why you do what you do so that's 
that's a powerful thing that we learned from, from you, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I, I say if I'm doing a week of camp on a Wednesday, I ask every kid, what's your favorite part of camp so far? And that's really eye opening. And, um, and you, you, you'll get, you'll get everything across the board. You know, if you're throwing 80 different shades of paint against the wall, you're going to get 80 different answers, but the majority uh, is where you, you really jump on. And, you know, I, I love the nicknames. I love this game called Moneyball. You do. I love the Roberto Clemente story. I love base running. I love just uh, hanging out with my friends. I love the scrimmage. I love the scrimmage. I love the scrimmage. Uh, I think you'll find out um, how to how to plan your practices. Number seven, encouraging. Uh, we've gotten uh, number one, empathy. Number two, accountability. Number three, energy. Number four, preparedness. Number five, fun. Number six, joy. And number seven, encouraging. Um, lead us off there, brother. Yeah, uh, you got to be encouraging. You have to find the positive in every moment. And like for me too, even when a kid makes a mistake, you can turn that into a positive very quickly. You make a mistake. Hey, James, hey, real quick, come here real quick. Hey, everyone, come on up here. First of all, James, you're being a good teammate because everyone else on this field would have made the exact same mistake that you just made, but we're all going to learn from it and it's not going to happen in the game. So great job. Great job. Way to be fearless. And we talk about like, this is an environment where we want you to be fearless. So here's the deal. That ground, that ground ball was hit in front of you, right? You need to make sure you see that ball through. There's less than two outs. See that ball through. And then once you know it's through, go ahead and go, hey, great job. Like way to be fearless and way to be aggressive. I love it. Anyone else have any questions? No. Anyone else would have made that same mistake? Everyone raises their hands. Great job, James. Great teammate. See you, bud. Easy. Yeah. I, my first mentor, my pal, Dan Spring, he, he really introduced me to the idea of, of positive reinforcement. And I know I had kids that I had coaches in my life that did that, but uh, to really put a, a word and a definition together, um, when the kid misses the ground ball, find something they, they chose to do well. Yes. I love the footwork. I love yes. the energy in your feet. Now let's talk about the glove, right? Yes. Um, missing that fly ball. Same thing. Love the first break you made on that ball. Great first step. Now let's talk about your balance. Uh, there, I've learned that when I have people, including Mrs. Ballgame, tell me things. If if there's not a if there's not a hey, love this part. Love this. I'm getting a lot out of this from you. Now, can I give you some constructive criticism? If you're just coming out of the gates with you stink, you smell they've turned you off your volume. It, you might as well just become a mime. They, they are not listening to your words anymore. They are going internal. They are self hating themselves and they really don't trust your judgment going forward because um, it's just negative spew. Uh, and, and it's like, they don't care about you. Uh, so I have that conversation with my wife all the time when, when I, give her constructive criticism. She's like, I turned you off. I turned you off a long time ago. I'm like, whoops, my bad. Um, love this, love this, love this. Now, uh, are you ready to hear some constructive criticism? Cause I'm very flawed and I might be wrong even with this, but if you can come at it that way, um, then I think you're encouraging. I think you're encouraging that player to, uh, to do better. And, and that really goes back to number one, empathy. Just have, having that self-awareness that uh, it, 
they, they turned my volume off a long time ago. And, and now this is just snowballing into something. Um, uh, it, that was my alarm that was telling like me it. that uh, my answer is getting a little too long. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, it, be encouraging. I love that one. Uh, and too, as a coach, that one. Yeah. As a coach, too, like there's, they didn't they, they don't always do something right. It could be you hit a ball one way and they just bear crawled the other direction. So like failed in every way. OK. Hey, James, I love your shoes. Where'd you get those? Those yeah. shoes are unbelievable. You've got such good. Your shoe game is strong. Okay, hey, buddy, yeah. can't bear crawl the wrong way. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, okay. I heard that. Yeah, as a coach, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this like, yeah, but this kid's terrible. Okay, find something positive. There's something there. There's something yeah. there. It, it's just something it very, there's something very distasteful about negativity. Yeah, no it doubt. Just, ugh. No doubt. It's like, it's be accountable. Yeah, you can yeah. be, you can hold them accountable without breaking them down to a point where they don't want to come back. Because what you said earlier is so important. And if people don't hear anything else, coaches, if you don't hear anything else, do everything in your power to make the kid want to come back tomorrow. You could, you could boil it down to that, literally. And if that's your mindset, okay, I'm going to go interact with a child, like a, a, a child of God right now, someone's most precious gift in the whole world, and I have to make sure they come back tomorrow. How are you going to speak to them? What tone are you going to use? What words are you going to choose? What are you going to focus on? What's your priority? Bang. You mean you boiled it down, bud. I think you just defined number eight, compassionate. Number eight on the coaching core values, be compassionate, right? Bang. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, I, I jumped the gun, but yeah, 100%. Be compassionate. That is someone's precious gift. And like for me, and my kids know it, my high school kids, it's like, hey, I love you guys. And we talk about our program being rooted in love and respect. It is rooted in love and respect. And if you're rooted in love and respect, you will speak to each other differently and you will hold them accountable, but you'll do it with a different tone, right? Instead of a tone of like, we doing it. It's embarrassing, blah, 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 blah. No, no, that's not love or respect. That ain't, that ain't it. You know? Bang. Bang. Um, I, I, uh, I go to number nine, which is fundamentals focused. Um, and I think this is where along with focusing on wins and losses, I think this is where we can get a little passive aggressive as coaches is when our players, we have taught them how to do a cutoff and how to line up for a cutoff 50 times. And, and they're, they're still not getting it. Some of them still aren't getting it. Um, and the old school, the old me, all right, go run laps. You're not going to play. Uh, it, you, you, uh, you must, um, you must either, you're choosing not to listen to me or uh, you, you can't hear me. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to yell at you and I'm just going to sit you on the bench. Um, fundamentals focused. It's very important, but we, we, we have to make sure uh, we're detaching our joy from the results. And if I've got a kid that just won't do it the right way, and I've taught him 50 times, I've got to detach my joy from that. And then I've got to start going down this list. Okay. Let's be empathetic. Maybe there's something going on at home. Maybe I need, let's be accountable. Um, maybe there's something my wife has asked me to do 50 times, fill up the uh, windshield washer fluid, and I still haven't done it, right? Um, how's my energy? Uh, how's my preparedness? Where's my fun and joy? Am I being encouraging and compassionate? And then I can get back to fundamentals focused and say, wow, this is why this is ninth down the list right here. 
because maybe I'm I'm not checking all those boxes uh, above. Yeah, uh, when I write down the term fundamentals focused, uh, I'm referring to I'll get kids that have been in club ball for five years, right? And I'll get them out there for day one and they don't know how to do anything. And I'm like, my gosh, your parents have paid $200 a month for five years. Quick math, that's $12,000 that they've poured into you because they care about you. And they didn't have a coach that cared about fundamentals. You know, they cared about winning only. They cared about one kid hitting and 12 kids shagging or recruiting the best talent they could find, but not teaching them how to play the game. Right. So all of my practice plans, all of the work that we do, and it's monotonous, some of it, right. But it's posture. It's where do we want to field a ground ball? It's where do we go with the baseball when it's hit? It's every base has to be covered. It's knowing who the cutoff man is on every play. And when kids come to play for me, I give them a binder with all of this knowledge in it. And it's like, Hey, pick one thing, every position on the field with every responsibility. And if you can find something to add to it, tell me, and we'll add it. This is a living, breathing document. So when we can add to it, let's add to it. Knowing that when you show up to a baseball field on game day, what are the elements? Is the wind blowing in? Is the wind blowing out? How's the field? Where's the sun? Right? Center field has priority on fly balls, but maybe not today because the wind's gusting towards right. So now right fielder has priority on fly balls because the ball's going to him and center field's running away from it. So when I talk about that, that's what I'm referring to in the sense of like winning and losing don't care. I don't care. I care if if you trust me with your child and I'm their coach, it's my job. Now, this is at that competitive level, right? This is at that club that's, you know, whatever you want to call it. This isn't younger groups. This is that competitive level. My job is when you leave and go somewhere else, everyone's going to know like, dang, this kid knows how to play the game. This guy has a high level baseball IQ, right? He knows where to be on the field. He's composed. He's confident, but he's not cocky. And just having that ability of, you know, my, one of my coaches told me this year, this is the first year we coached together. He's like, he's like, man, I'm really starting to understand your process and like why you do what you do, you know, and why every single day we do the same drills and we do them and they get better. And then once we know how to do them, then I start layering in other things. But we went the whole entire year with our infield boot camp, the entire year. And we're doing it now in the off season. My kids love it because we're fundamentals focused. We're not scoreboard focused. We're fundamentals focused. It's about development. And I think you can uh, you can find fun games to play within oh, yeah. that space of fundamentals focused. And this feeds right into number 10, process is greater than results. So number nine, fundamentals focused, that's, that's kind of the physical version. Whereas process is greater than results, that's the mental uh, version of the same thing where um, focused on on this process of, of taking this foot here, taking that step there, putting, uh, you know, my posture in this certain place, my balance is here, my, my focus is there, all, all of that uh, in your mind is going to power you to have better fundamentals. And boy, when I ask kids, hey, what's your favorite uh, part of warmups it's like it's the game and we we call it a hot potato game how many how many catches can can each group get in 30 seconds you know try and turn a double play each time you catch the ball or maybe it's a pitching um uh, a pitching drill where it's just you and a partner and how many times can you hit this spot right uh, how many times with a four seam fastball how many times with a two seam fastball so creating uh, engaging games within the fundamentals um 
they want to do it in the offseason like your team. And boy, that process is greater than results. These are two cliches, and cliches are cliches for a reason uh, because they work, they're good, and it's just how about how you can define them. Uh, but process is greater than results. I think I can break down every interview on this podcast from the Mookie Betts to the Dave Roberts to the Brandon Crawfords uh, to the Hunter Pences, and there is so much of that message. It, it might be the message uh, of of the podcast. So I'll let you run with that one process greater than results. Yeah. It's something that I learned at the major league level is because you've got all these guys that have just put in the work, you know, and they've, they've done it and they have that confidence and they trust it. So we're with the Dodgers. We won two out of three games for three straight years. We won two out of three games, mathematically, literally. Like that's trusting the process. That's, that's not overreacting. Two days ago, Max Muncy made an error. They lost a game, right? Heartbreaking loss. What happened the next day? They beat the whoever they beat 10 to one. Tyler Anderson had five perfect in the nationals, right? So it's like, that's trusting the process. That's like, doesn't mean you don't, you don't care. Or you're indifferent. It still hurts. Been in those locker rooms after tough losses. It stinks. It's quiet. It's frustrating for about 20 minutes. And then you start getting back on the grind because there's another game the next day. So from our high school kids, um, it's about trusting that, hey, we're doing this the right way, and that's where our joy comes from. And baseball is a weird sport. It's not football. It's not basketball. It's not like Boaz's little flag football team. They went 31-1, and one, true story. I, I don't even remember their loss, but their coach sent out like, hey, great year. We went 31-1. and one. Oh, Cool. Okay. But that's football. You're better if you're more prepared and you're better, and you're more athletic, and you're bigger, and you're stronger, and you're faster, you're going to win the football game, period. Baseball's weird. There's bounces. There's opposing pitchers. There's game of inches. There's not getting the big hit. So you have to be okay with like, hey, our process is sound. Our process is right. We do infield boot camp every day. We love each other. We respect each other. We have a ton of fun. There's times when we're doing something well, and coach says, hey, bang it, over the line tournament, winning team gets a $25 gift card. You know what I mean? So it's like what we're doing over time will result in tremendous success. And I said that at the banquet. I said, this group, we didn't win state, but what they did is they provided a path for, for future success for the foreseeable future rooted in love and respect. And that's their legacy is they've created this culture through their effort and their attitude and the way they treat each other, where we are going to succeed for the foreseeable future with love and respect. And that's trusting a process. Beautiful. For those of you parents out there or folks listening to this podcast in your car or wherever you are, and, and you got a little buzz from hearing that, you know, when, when you when, when you hear talk of process uh, over results and fundamentals and compassion and encourage, just raise your hand because <laughs> you are uh, you are doing what you're meant to do. Uh, you know, it, uh, us coaches, we get excited about talking about this stuff and and there's there's a buzz. And, uh, and I know they're out there. I know there's coaches out there and parents out there that when they hear this message, it, 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 it fires them up. And I get fired up just listening to you talk about this stuff, man. Number 11, kindness. I mean, that's, that's just an umbrella uh, across all of life and every daily walk uh, is kindness. But how about that lens? How about, how about you, you put on those glasses of kindness and, and just do that? I have so many people that that don't have my energy they don't really raise their voice 
they walk slowly. They're, they're very soft-spoken, but their kindness, just the way they slow things down when they see a kid um, traumatized by something or tie a kid. Let me tie your shoe, kid. How you doing? What'd you have for breakfast? Um, those people teach me so much. The, 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 that just, they just walk through life with how can I impact somebody positively? How kind can I be today? Yep. Man, oh man, I, uh, I envy them <laughs> yeah. because they seem so happy. Yeah, self-explanatory kindness and reminding your kids to, to provide that random act of kindness and to look for opportunities to be kind and to rake. Uh, and that's every camp that you and I do, we talk about it. And I can't wait for these camps that are coming up because it's going to be asking about something they did that was nice. Hey, what'd you do? Did you, would you take the, take the, do the dishes for mom last night or dad, or did you take the trash out? Do you thank mom and dad for dinner? Or do you thank them for a roof over your head or thank them that you have a car and that they work so hard and they, and they, they paid for your camp. Like, did you, did you thank them for that? Like, what did you do? Did you tell a friend that you appreciate them and their shoes are cool? You know, did you give your little brother the toy that you usually don't give them and let them play with it and do it with genuine kindness without respect, expecting anything in return, you know, and, and just impacting kids in a way where, they can see that, wait a second, if I stop doing things just for me, because that's human nature, and I start doing things for others, man, this opens up a whole different kind of world, you know, kindness. Impact. Um, uh, let's close with, with kind of your motto for your high school team, uh, which is trust, commitment, and love. Walk me through that. How, how, do, you, uh, how do you explain that to 16-year-olds? Yeah. Okay. Well, before that, I want to add one more to the list. Okay. Boom. So let's add one more as a coach, have a growth mindset, have a growth mindset. What I mean by that is don't think you have it all figured out, right? I've been, we've been in baseball for a very long time, a very long time. I watch drills every single day. We all have YouTube, right? So go on YouTube and watch drills. And then I have my kids watch them. My shortstop I said, hey, dude, there's a guy I really like, Kai Correa, bench coach for the Giants. I love his videos, how to train like a big leader. It's awesome. It's attention detailed. It's setting up a machine so you can control the hops, all this cool stuff. Talking about a kill spot in your glove so that the ball doesn't rattle around. To I equate that to like Steph Curry, not just trying to make a basket, but to swish it, right? So I'm studying Kai Correa right now, so much so that Jock called me the other day, and he's on the Giants, and that's their bench coach. And I go, hey, what do you got on Kai Correa? I love his videos. I'm blown away with him. What do you got? He's like, dude, he's awesome. He's prepared. He's detailed. He's everything that I thought he was. So like I'm studying Kai Correa. I just think it's amazing. And so as a coach, the day we think we have it all figured out, stop doing it, go do something else. That's going to inspire you and drive you to be great. But for us, it's this constant battle. My wife looked at me the other day. She's like, this is just who you are. And then I'm just studying video. Yeah. hundred percent. If I can take this to my kids, and kids in my sphere and help them get better. That's it. That's what, that's why we wake up at 519 to a bird's call. And we try to just build confidence and love and give these kids an opportunity to be great. That's great. That is so good. And, and uh, Mrs. Ballgame really helps me with this one because I, I am routine oriented um, you know, I, I'm a bit of a golf mindset kind of guy where we'll do the exact same thing over and over again, routine feels comfy. And as soon as, uh, it feels comfy, she reminds me, Hey, it's time to evolve. 
it's time it's time to listen a little more come up with something new uh you, you've sung that song 50 times uh it's time to write a new song so to speak and um for you coaches out there that that love the routine hey that's that's been a, a big reason for the downfall in the culture of youth sports is just doing it the way you were taught and uh yeah it ain't working it ain't working so keep evolving growth mindset uh, if you as a coach can do it, you as a parent can do it, then the kids are going to watch what you do. Um, and, and they'll, they'll jump on board too. Um, trust, commitment, so, and love. Yeah. Uh, trust, commi commitment, and love just to get through the whole list for all of you out there. If you're writing it down on your notepad, uh, empathy, accountability, energy, be prepared, fun, joy, encouraging, compassionate, fundamentals focused, process over results, kindness, and growth mindset. Close us, close us up here with trust, commitment, and love, coach. Yeah, so we, we came up with core values for our program. And, uh, and shout out to Coach Tim O'Donohue, Coach Greg Jennings, because those are my high school coaches. And this was our high school's uh, core values, was trust, commitment, and love. So when I was thinking about, okay, I am – given the opportunity to run a high, a high school baseball program, what are my core values? What matter to me? Okay. Trust, trust in the Lord. We're a Christian school, right? Trust in the Lord, trust in the process, trust in each other, right? Commitment, commitment to the Lord, commitment to the process, commitment to each other. Love, love the Lord, love your neighbor, love the process love each other, love the grind. So these buzzwords that just kind of remind us of like, okay, this is who we are. This is what we're about. And so that's what I love about trust, commitment, and love. Is, and, I, and I love it when, like you asked me, like, hey, what is that? What do you mean? What do, what do you got? Those are three words. There's a lot there. Can you unpack it? Yeah, I can. You know, and I love doing it. And it's almost kind of why I like phrasing it that way, because then it opens up the door for me to explain it instead of like, a self-explanatory core values where you're like, okay, I got a great, cool story. You know, no, this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is our, our lens that we look through doing community service once a month. And, uh, you know, I had a neighbor that asked me, Hey, uh, can I pay your guys to move some rocks in my backyard? Now we didn't know it was like 19 tons. It was a lot of rock, but, uh, sight unseen, I said, absolutely. And no, you can't pay us like that's, that'll be our community service. This is us loving our neighbor. You live two minutes from the high school. We'll be there. And it was prom day, but my kids showed up and we worked for an hour and a half and we did what he could have done. He said, I couldn't have done that in six months. And you guys banged it out in a day and that's loving your neighbor. You know? Beautiful. Well, here's, here's some growth mindset, uh, for you. Here's a challenge. When are you, when, when can we expect the, uh, 15, core values of coaching book to come out at, at our Barnes and Noble chat chat. And that's a really good idea. I like that idea. Done. I think that's a good uh, idea. We'll challenge each other. Uh, it, you need to write this book and then okay. I write my book and let's see who finishes first A little competition, Whew. right? Okay. I'm in. Bang. Bang. <laughs> uh, thank that. you, Tommy gold for being our wonderful producer uh and an executive editor and and just an all-around great guy he's the best. uh and and he's the best he's tommy gold and um you know i i love doing it 
we'll do it every week. Uh, even when summer camp starts up, we'll figure out when to fit this in once a week and keep raking uh, and, and keep rocking and rolling. So I'm good. Anything else from you? Nope. Appreciate you, coach. You're the best. And uh, safe travels coming up here, buddy. But I'll see you next week. I can't wait. Rake, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Bang.